1: Welcome back, hour number two, where we ball so hard. Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both ends. I am the vocal minority. We ball so hard here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time. Let's go, Kev. We talked about football, right? Let's talk about football um, as well. The There was a break. Um, the last couple of weeks oh, from the MLS and from kind of like Champions League. If you remember, uh, there were these international games we saw, right? The, well, you wait for it, Nations Cup. The U.S. were playing friendlies and stuff. They get back into their normal club schedules now, and MLS playoffs continue. We see the bracket coming up. We are advancing in the MLS playoffs, and this week we have a couple of games, all right? So here's the point I want to make, and Kevin. I know you're going to laugh about it, but I do think it is an honest thing. Remember when yesterday Kev you were like, "I don't think people realize the format of, you know, Phil Mickelson and Sir Charles, right? And the implications <laughs> of that." I'm going to make a point that I know you're going to laugh at, but is a oh, serious gosh. point about format, Kev. It is a serious part about format. If we could put up the MLS games that are going to happen today and tomorrow. We've got one game tonight. We've got one game tomorrow night. Kev, the important thing to note that is a change in the MLS playoffs. As we see, we're going to have Dallas and Seattle, although we have it here as Dallas. We got Dallas and Seattle going on tonight. And then we have Minnesota and Kansas City tomorrow. Usually, Kev, in the playoffs, and you know this from soccer, It's the home and home, right? Leg one, leg two, the aggregate score, things of that nature. That is not the case in these MLS playoffs, Kev. There is one game being played at the home of the higher seed. I truly believe, Kev, that opens the window for more 90-minute draws. Okay, we saw Nashville as the eighth seed do this against Toronto and and get like a a goal in the hundred and thirteenth minute. It's just one game. The team that's less talented, the team on the road, is going to be completely fine trying to pack it in and go for this extra time or play for the shootout. It's not like an aggregate score. The shootouts are there. That is a way for lower quality teams to play strategically and purposefully. And I think it lends itself more to the draw
2: kev buy yourself what i'm saying no I, I can buy that because the thing about the the sport of football or soccer is you'll you'll go crazy sometimes watching these teams not go for it but sometimes yes. it, that's what's in their favor right yes. you know, for fc dallas tonight what are they supposed to try and blitz seattle yeah right they got to pack
1: it in, maybe steal
2: one, or if not, try to get it in shootouts. That's like their best way forward, Kev. And I do think that lends itself as well, Dane, to some unders. Teams trying to play as conservative as possible to not allow the back door to open up. I'll just throw this out there as well. The futures market for the MLS uh, is out there. FC Dallas has the longest odds to win the MLS uh, the whole league. Seattle, though, checks in with the the third best odds at plus 340. So just a little, well, if Dallas has no chance, that's who Seattle's playing. You'll get CLV on the Sounders at plus 340.
1: No, that makes sense. As we welcome in our radio audience and all of our affiliates, big shout out for getting up on the grid early in the morning. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez We're talking about how you have to understand what these teams want to do. And for some of these teams, they ain't trying to beat you to nothing. They're trying to just hang in for 90 minutes and have one mistake happen that they can capitalize on. And uh, so that is definitely important. Also, uh, UEFA Champions League gets back going. We've been kind of profiling big Matchups in that tournament as all the best clubs in Europe get going. This is match day five, I believe, Kev, when it comes to the group stage. And we've got a big one in terms of Ajax today. Um, they are playing Liverpool. I know over the weekend you were a little oh, bit frustrated God. about a Liverpool match. But here today, look, and this I think also speaks to kind of where they are in the tournament. Look, Bayern is plus 260. I know they're on the road at Atletico. But what do you think is behind this total? Because as I look at the standings here, right, Kev, Bayern is also already clear. They've already Mm -hmm. qualified for the knockout stage. Meanwhile, I mean, Atletico looks like they will as well, but they've still got work to do, and it starts with Bayern.
2: Yeah, so Bayern, as you said, they're through, they're clear, they've won this group. Also, there's no Lewandowski, there's no Manuel Neuer. You want to talk about something I have no idea how to wrap my head around? How much does Lewandowski missing a game move a line? How much does Manuel Neuer missing a game move a line? Here's what I know, though, okay? Bayern Munich, since we began talking Champions League you know, much earlier in the pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. Our graphics guy Steve, deep into the weeds in the sure. soccer world, he pretty much like anytime I'm like, "Hey, can it, stop asking right. me." Byron's going to win. Like, Listen, he it's was Byron. correct. They just <laughs> right. obliterated everybody. Here's the thing about teams like that. Sometimes, Dane, it doesn't matter who's missing. You want to know about value? Yep. You just yeah. swing on maybe the best team in the world at plus two seventy. You just swim. Yeah, I'm ahead at that. A lot better ways to spend your Tuesday, or a lot worse ways you could spend your Tuesday.
1: You know, it's like there are times in the baseball season where we're like, wait, you can get the Yankees at this number? I don't care who the opposing starting pitcher is. Right. Sure, right? And that's this, like to the nth degree, Bayern Munich has plus money. We will try to bring in our guy Tom Bogert later in the week to talk about the MLS and talk about soccer across the pond. But honestly here, if you watch SportsGrid, if you listen to SportsGrid, you're trying to get the edge. When we come back, our guy mid-major, Matt is going to give us the edge in matching college basketball style. They're playing that as well. Let's get into it with our boy Matt when we come back on the other side
3: of this break.
1: Welcome back in everybody right here to the early line giving you the edge on the grid Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh and if you've been following us you know one way we get the edge on Tuesdays is we bring in our boy mid-major Matt we've been talking about matchin', which I feel like has messed with me because now they move to the end of the week they had that but you know maybe they knew re- Ravens and Steelers would infringe upon them this week I digress Matt welcome back in I hope you had a Great holiday weekend, and the tryptophan has left your system, and you're back ready to bring the heat, Matt. How you doing? How was your holiday?
3: You know, it's funny. It wasn't bad, especially because the Cowboys lost. That always makes things interesting. But we were supposed to have two football games today, and now we have none. Yeah. We were supposed to have a, a very early Charlotte-Western uh, Kentucky game, and now it got canceled. That would have been very nice. At like, I think it was 10.30 a.m. That would have been go- gorgeous, but we do not now have any oh, football sure. today.
1: That's okay. You can play DFS on the Bachelorette, I hear, even if you need something to watch. But let's go in. I know we're going to talk a little bit of college basketball, and I'm excited to do so. But listen, you know, in the last few weeks when you've been talking about match and football, you've told us that Buffalo is the cream of the crop. You told us that they have some players on that offense that we should get to know because they're going to play on Sundays. You know, they're wide receiver on the outside, both running backs. But one of them, Patterson, did really something absolutely special last week.
3: Yeah, and it wasn't even against Bowling Green. I mean, he had uh, eight touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. It's it's just it's one of those things where like you only did it in Madden or Tecmo Super Bowl or things like that. Like you know, Bo just,
1: Jackson in Tecmo and, Super Bowl, and, baby.
3: Exactly, and you just you look at, uh, at his measurables and you look at everything else. Like I've said, I like Kevin Marks better in terms of he's got the NFL measurables in that backfield, but. what Patterson does, and it's funny because Buffalo, you know, the quarterback we talked about last year was the punter at times. And, like, all you should do is put eight and nine in the box against Buffalo, force them to throw it. And a lot of times teams are, and Patterson's still finding holes and just – they are the cream of the crop, and they've got Ohio next on the road, and they've got one more game after that. And it's just, I don't know if anybody's going to beat Buffalo, but they've been as good as expected. And when they're running like that, nobody's going to stop them, especially if teams are actually stacking the box, which is what I would hope they would be doing by now against Buffalo. <laughs>
2: I look forward to Jared Patterson finding a way to have more rushing yards in his rookie year than Travis ETN because the running backs, this is how things work. I do want to go to college hoops though, Matt, because we talked to you on the college basketball preview show a week ago. You just had to be right about Richmond. huh, pal really now I'll say this. That was, it was, it was a fun game. Once I got over losing the first half total, Richmond, what a group, not being able to shoot to save their lives in the first half, then proceeded to not miss ever. It's a wild move for Kentucky, the youngest team in the country, to schedule the most senior-laden team I feel like they could find. But it was a great test for Kentucky. What's your reaction coming out of that game?
3: Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody was really surprised by it. I mean, I had Richmond. I didn't think they were going to win, but I thought there was a chance they were going to. I'm mad at myself for not sprinkling on the money line. But, I mean, as a team, as a guy who follows that team and has been the last couple of years, it, it didn't surprise me as much because, as you said, when you have a senior-laden team that runs a system with the Princeton cuts and the, the defense they play, and then you have a young team that's going to just try and out-athlete everybody, that's mm-hmm. kind of what happens. Remember, there is no home court advantage for the most part. There was what three thousand fans. Usually, yeah. if Rupp is is rumbling and everything like that, that's that's a little different. But there's just there's no home court advantage. And when you've got a senior laden team, what did I tell you guys last week, I'm looking for senior laden teams. I'm looking yep. for returning starters, and I'm looking for uh, good coaches. Coaching, and it's yep. Richmond's got the good. Uh, Richmond's got all three. Whereas Kentucky's got a good coach, and they've got a bunch of athletes that are still trying to figure things out. So to me, it was a big surprise across the country to me, it wasn't as much of a surprise. The surprise was how big the line was because Mm -hmm. Richmond is a top 15 team in this country, and 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 the odds makers didn't think so.
1: Yeah, you know, and let's broaden that out even a little bit, right? So Kentucky goes down, but so did Villanova, so did Virginia. We just talked about our Orangemen who sneak by in a game when Beheim didn't think they should be playing, that he realized apparently at halftime of the game, but Hmm. I digress. Talk to me about, you know, the macro level of this college basketball season, we've seen it in other sports, Matt, the idea that their variance is alive and well in this COVID context. We, we, you, you're looking for seniors. You're looking for coaching. Are we going to expect more kind of you know weird upsets? Are we going to expect some mid-major teams to really look to threaten in the top of the polls? Like, should we expect some of this craziness throughout the college basketball season?
3: I think they'll be sprinkled in. I, I think we're okay. kind of uh, – I think it's early. You know, the Villanova game, I mean, they hastily they hastily scheduled that game. That, they weren't supposed to play Virginia Tech. And for some mm-hmm. reason, Jay Wright – well, actually, I do know why Jay Wright did it because Jay Wright's the type of guy who would say, oh, we need a win. Let's go and get, beat the uh, the one of the worst right. ACC teams by the poll. But, of course, Virginia Tech is better than, you know, they're, uh, the 11th best team in the ACC is better than the, like, seventh best team in a different conference because the ACC is just that deep this year. It's a good Virginia Tech team that has a very good coach in Mike Young. Uh, the Virginia loss, that was, that was a bit of a surprise. When you've got a San Francisco mm-hmm. squad playing their third game in three days and they had less than 24 hours to prepare for Virginia, an opponent they weren't supposed to play, mind you, in this tournament, I mean, that was a big shock, especially since Virginia shot like 90% in their victory against Towson. And they played one of the toughest styles of defense. And they've got the best coach in America and all this other stuff. So that was a surprise. But, of course, the only thing that wasn't a surprise is Gonzaga looked like the best team in the country. And that's just kind of when you you play 10 deep and you've got a great coach and you just play this style that's just very tough in terms of running and gunning a little bit and you have the weapons to do so. I mean, Gonzaga looked the part as the best team in the country right now.
2: The thing about Gonzaga that jumps off the page to me, so Drew, Timmy, yeah, of course. There, There's a, another tall white dude who can shoot it and put it on the deck for Gonzaga. Corey Kispert, yep, I see it. Jalen Suggs is what I think makes this team different. Not in that he's the most important player. I'm just talking about the perception around them, Matt. A five-star prospect, top five recruit coming into college ball, chooses Mark Few's program. Do you feel like... The way we view Gonzaga is changing. I mean, they're number one in the country. Not only do people not disagree, I know people that now, it's December, are looking to put futures tickets down on this Bulldogs team.
3: Well, first off, it might be too late to get any value. I mean, you might get some, but, I mean, you probably should have done it before they dismantled Kansas because that's when people were going to say, oh, okay. Um, Yeah, subs is huge. It's the highest recruit Gonzaga's ever had. And, you know, what it made Mark Few so great is that he'd get these three- and four-star kids and he'd turn them into, you know, gold. Now he's got a five-star kid that he really doesn't have to do much with. He just has to fit the kid into the system. And who doesn't want to play a system where you basically just run up and down the court? You play a little (laughs) bit. bit of defense because I guess defense isn't the best but they don't have to if you're going to score 100 points a night as long as you hold your opponent to 90 and when you play in a conference like the West Coast Conference your opportunities to score 100 are pretty much every night because no one plays defense and no one has the talent you do BYU is okay this year St. Mary's is not very good this year San Francisco we just talked about their. they might be number two and then that's it yeah. you got some other teams that may challenge but it's just why would you not want to go play for a guy like Mark Few and play in yep. a system where you could put up 100 points a night? Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. You know, man, I, I do want to get in, though, because you do love yourself some action. We'll apply that to college basketball as well. I might ask you if you can hang out for a little bit on the other side of the break, but there are two games in this conference that I know you have the edge on. Talk to me real quick about Cleveland State and Toledo.
3: So Cleveland State's playing their first game tonight. They're out of the Horizon Conference, and it's it's been a mixed bag so far when you've got the teams playing their first game versus the teams that have already played a game. But, th- but this is a Cleveland State team that you kind of, uh, you know, they've got some talent, and it's a big spread here. I'm a bit surprised here. Toledo's 1-2 so far. Uh, they lost that close game to Xavier. They played in a tournament uh, in Xavier. They lost by 3 to Xavier, lost by 2 to Bradley, and then beat up on Oakland, which pretty much everybody except for Michigan has done. I think it's way too many points, and it could be very low. Scoring, um, you're seeing a lower total in this game, and, and it's while it's not quite one of those 40s in football, you know, seeing a total this low and getting around nine and a half, ten points. I just think there's an opportunity here for the underdog.
1: All right. Fair enough. Listen, I want to get your thoughts on FIU and Central Michigan as well, because sports investors, you know, they really know we could talk about all the big schools. Right. But this is where you get the edge. That's why we bring in mid-major Matt. That's why you come to Sports Grid to get the edge. So when we come back, we're not going to deny you that opportunity. We'll be back and spend a couple of more minutes with mid-major Matt. More leans. When we come back
2: All right, we are right back here on the Sports Grid. This is the Early Line. I am Kevin Walsh alongside Dane Martinez giving you the edge. Thank you to all of our radio affiliates who are joining us here on a lovely Tuesday morning. We are joined by our guy, Mid-Major Matt. And Matt, we also wanted to ask you about FIU Central Michigan. I see the Panthers laying four and a half. I also see a gaudy number. 158 and a half for a total, you know, that's going to have my attention. What are you looking at for this matchup?
3: Well, I mean, it's interesting because these two teams like to run and they don't play much defense. You look at FIU so far, they've played two games this year. They've played both contests against Flagler, which I don't know what level Flagler College is, but they have played Flagler College. And the thing that stands out here is the scores were 85-81 and 82-75. So when you're giving up 75-plus points to a team that's not even on your level, um, that's something that comes out to me. Now, a lot of guys are gone from last year's FIU team that also played fast. And then you look at Central mm-hmm. Michigan, Keno Davis, pretty good coach. He They lose 74-72 at uh, Illinois-Chicago to start. Um, both of these teams have a really good pace. Uh, both of these teams have scores, and they don't play a lot of defense. But what I like to do sometimes with these really big totals, and sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't, is I like to look at the first half over because you sometimes get – It's less than half of the total. Case in point, Mm -hmm. last night it did lose, but the uh, UNLV-UNC first half was 73.5. The total was in the 150. So if you do the math real quick, 73.5 is about 146, 147 doubled. So you get a little bit of value. Now, of course, you are only playing with 20 minutes instead of 40 minutes. So I'd potentially look at the first half over here between FIU and Central Michigan and hope for the fact that they are – Um, both coming out hot and not playing much defense.
2: Yeah, and the thing with college ball, for those that that don't play in these half markets with totals, the first half will be about 10 points less than the second half. So if you can get the first half at a lighter number, it's, of course, it's because of the foul game. They have to juice the back end of these numbers, but you can find value in that market. Matt, before we let you go, I do also want to ask you uh, about my Iona Gales. I mean, Rick Pitino made the debut last night. I I had a moment where I believe they were up 2.5, and, and then they were down 30. Gosh, that was upsetting. I can't believe I was suckered in, but I don't know. It was exciting. I thought maybe, maybe, and then it wasn't. What did you make of Patino's debut and the gals going
3: up against Seton Hall? Well, I mean I think it was partially expected because I mean you look they're missing two starters. They're missing uh, Asante Gist, who's a pretty big piece uh, offensively. They're missing the 7 foot 1 center. They were missing a backup point guard and it, it was a team that had the covid shut down and, and has not had much time to practice. Now they're not as bad as Long Beach State. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that Long Beach State basically um they hadn't met one another for 2 weeks and everything and it's just uh, I think Iona's a fine team. We talked about it already. When we were on the other show, um, he basically said that um, he's got some work to do, and he's a good enough coach yeah. that eventually they'll be fine, but there'll be some value fading Iona early on because a lot of people are just going to blindly bet Rick Patino and that's kind of what we saw last night. Um, yep. Unfortunately, I had I- uh, Seton Hall in the first half. That didn't work out, but Seton Hall covered game-wise, and it'll be fine for you. Iona will be fine. They just got to <laughs> get over some kinks and things like that. Yeah,
2: I mean, at the end of the day, even just, you know, this is my John Calipari hat. But they, they'll take those reps. They'll take those reps. Yana's not getting them. And hopefully it'll help them when they get into conference play. Uh, but it'll Matt, be we appreciate it. There you go. We just got to get a couple in the basket. That's all. At some point, we'll have to have you on to break down the Mac schedule. It's one of the most insane schedules I've ever seen. The home homes. Wildness. But Matt, we appreciate it, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Best of luck to you with the rest of these bets. Thank you, fellas.
1: Thanks, Matt. All right, so as we move along, guys, you know, it is Tuesday. That is a day when we usually talk a little bit about college football. Kev, we're going to have our guy Joe Lisi on tomorrow. We're going to bring back AP poll voter De Paula, next week. Uh, you know, we, we look at these things. We've got a top 25. We know it's about the playoff standings, but what we thought we would do, Kev, right is the idea because we can complain about everybody else's rankings we thought we'd put together our own rankings in advance of the new standings coming out in advance of us talking about the big games for this week in advance of us talking to joe lisi and others so we can at least let everyone know how we would do it this is not what we think the committee will do but what we would do if we were a voter so kev let me give you my top eight we both did our top Mm -hmm. eight and uh to react to it and then we will see yours as well so i've got alabama notre dame clemson then I go Texas A&M in Florida Um, because what I'm doing is at this moment, remember when I even talk about Cincinnati and BYU, Kev? I I was never talking about it that they should be ranked number four. I was saying that there is a way for them to get to four, right, Mm -hmm. as other teams fall by the wayside, okay? So I can tell you how this is still my list and what I expect to potentially fall by the wayside to still get Cincinnati in there. But that is why at this moment – Based on what we have seen so far, I have Texas A&M and Florida in the 4-5 because Ohio State has just, as of yet, hasn't done enough. They are 4-0. and oh. So they come in at number six for me. Then, of course, the two squads of Cincy and BYU. I believe that if they get through their season undefeated, they will be able to hop a couple of these teams. A couple of these teams could fall by the wayside as well. But to take a piece of your rationale, well, part of the reason I have Texas A&M up at number four is because outside of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the Texas A&M
2: victory against Florida is the best one of the season. I think that is incredibly fair. And that win over, over the Gators is why A&M sits where they do. If you take a look at my top eight, yeah. I have A&M, though, down at seven. In maybe the right. upset Florida. of the decade, I have Cincinnati higher than Dane. Now, the <laughs> odds, I mean, you want to talk about something that nobody would have seen coming. Bata <laughs> yeah. and Notre Dame check in at one and two for me as well. I then yep. go Clemson, Florida, Ohio State, Cincinnati, A M and and BYU. We both clearly agree that the middle is where you can pick things apart. So I actually, Dane, would like to ask you a little bit about the top and then that final team, right? Because we sure. 100% are in lockstep with one, two, sure. three, and yeah. eight. eight. And right. the Clemson thing, I think, can fluctuate a bit as well. My question to you, when you sat down to do this, yes, how sir? much, if at all, did you consider Notre Dame for that first overall spot?
1: I did not. I think Bama is the class of the country. I think is the class of the country. And, and to be honest, and I know you are an Irish fan, right, and all yeah. that, but to be quite honest, it's not going to matter, right? Because if both of those teams handle their <laughs> business, they will face off for the national championship, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how worried I am about that. I have been compelled. You know, you have uh, pushed me to look at Notre Dame not just as like, oh, well, Notre Dame is always getting the national love and blah, 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 but this team in reality, right, and I think yeah. they are – beasts up front i think they are beasts up front kev and that as you know i value things like being built from the inside out but Mm -hmm. for me alabama is still alabama right and so um that's the way i went i agree with you clemson is three here's what i will say um given my standings and let's say you could react to it we could pick it apart however you want if you put my standings up there again right here's my path kev for cincinnati Mm -hmm. still qualifying okay um I believe while Texas A&M is over them now right mm-hmm. Cincinnati will have proof points that Texas A&M will not okay mm-hmm. namely a conference championship game and at that point I can have a conference champion leapfrog a team that won't even play for their conference championship okay I believe Florida will lose in the SEC championship game And in essence, fall by the wayside, right? That then leaves Ohio State and Clemson. Kev, I'm cheering for your Irish. Because if your Irish win that game, I don't care what excuses you make for Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. With two losses, they fall by the wayside. Right. And then there's the curious case of Ohio State. We could talk about that until the cows come home. But I think the college football playoff, like the NFL, is going to bend over backwards to get Ohio State into the college football playoff. Even, Kev, here's my new conspiracy theory. If OSU does not qualify, guess Mm -hmm. what? Instead of the Big Ten championship on that night, they're going to just go play Wisconsin who also (laughs) will not qualify for the Big Ten Championship. And guess what? A win then over Wisconsin in the eyes of the committee will still make them feel good enough to put them in. And so I can see Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Cincinnati as the squads. I think Florida loses in the SEC Championship game. And ultimately, although we're not there yet, Texas A&M can get hopped because they don't even play for their conference championship, whereas I hope an Defeated Cincinnati
2: can do the deed. And in this place, they're close enough mm-hmm. to do so. You know, it is funny. As I was putting this together, I had a similar feeling to you of my one and four are supposed to play each other. My two and three are supposed to play each other. This is almost a, a bit irrelevant. But the big right. thing for me is, right, the fact that I have AM down at seven. They lost to Florida. We both, like, AM beating Florida is what moved mm-hmm. them up. But I think we have to look past that for Texas A and M, and I'm going to compare it to Cincinnati. What I put in front of them, A and M played Alabama non-competitively, lost that game by four touchdowns, gave up right. 52 points. They right. win over Florida, by the way. They did trail in the fourth quarter. They won on a field goal at the gun. It's a win. It was at home. Remember, that was the game where a and had so many fans that Dan yep. Mullen tried to pack, the, the, pack swamp the swamp with 100,000 people. Look at these other AM performances. They played Vanderbilt, who was 0-8, the worst team in the SEC, 17-12. And you can't say, oh, but that was week one. The Bama game was, was week two, and the Florida game was week three. This past performance against LSU, Kellen Mond embarrassed himself. One of the worst performances I've seen. Texas AM and is hanging on to the fact that their yep. only loss is Bama, but it was non-competitive. Cincinnati is unbeaten and has routed, routed, decent enough competition. I think the yeah. Bearcats, Florida, you know, you've OSU. You've heard of Memphis.
1: You've heard of yes. Central Florida. And I'll tell you why Cincinnati fans should be cheering for War Eagle this weekend. We'll talk about it when we come back
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back in
1: everybody right here it's the early line looking at college football some games on the horizon how we would make the standings that ultimately come out today. And, Kev, you know, I've always said when we're talking about Cincinnati and BYU that we need to go through the season, right, because that's where teams will cannibalize each other, right, and have to face off and fall by the wayside. We're talking about Texas A&M, and to be quite honest, Kev, Texas A&M, part of the reason why they are such a huge obstacle for my chaos theory is they made— have a completed season and not have the threat of falling by the wayside in a conference championship, right? Because even if they go through, it would be Florida that sees Alabama, and that is why Texas A&M is a really big problem for a squad like Cincinnati, right? Where I can make the case that Clemson could fall still. Florida could fall still. It's hard to make that case with Texas A&M until you realize what you just said. They haven't been really impressive. They were not impressive necessarily even in their win against lsu over the holiday weekend and i have been clamoring well when is texas a and i'm gonna fall by the wayside I submit to you, Kev, their yeah. next game against an Auburn team that some people thought could hang with Alabama in the Iron Bowl. That didn't look as great. But listen, Auburn hung with Alabama just as much as almost any other team, right? So mm-hmm. I wonder now about Texas A&M and Auburn. This is a matchup of ranked versus ranked for this week and really one of the biggest matchups as per the playoff standings. And I got to tell you the truth. I think War Eagle could be live in this one, and it may not just be my Bear cut
2: colored glasses and I don't think it is am was very unimpressive in that game to me against LSU now the final score was 20 to 7 the LSU seven points came in the final 10 seconds of the game a garbage time touchdown so people would say oh 20 to nothing's exciting LSU had a bench their quarterback the rain was coming down incredibly and that same rain would be used to justify a miserable offensive performance from A&M that featured no second-half scoring. The error second-half touchdown came on the defensive side of the football. So for Texas A&M going into this game against Auburn as, you know, seven-point favorites, I think a lot of that has to do with Auburn being embarrassed by Alabama. But Alabama is rightfully number one. You know, I'll just say I posed the question to you, did you consider Notre Dame? Alabama's are in that spot. The only thing you could say to try and pull any credit away from them is all of those big games have been at home. but gosh I mean they just played the Iron Bowl without saving there and a obliterated Auburn start to finish. You got to give them the juice for that type of performance. So for AM going into this game, it's massive. I agree Dave that they are live to lose. but also past that, there's a scheduled makeup game with Tennessee. I don't know if they're going to schedule the makeup game with Ole Miss. Ole Miss has the kind of offense maybe Tennessee usually falls all over themselves. This might be it. I mean, this mm-hmm. might be the final piece for AM yeah. where they, and this and the thing too is, Dane, they don't need a win. I mean, they, I'm, excuse me, they don't need a massive win. They just, no, they just need, need to survive in advance. They just, yeah. 21 20. 21-20, Locks a and where they need to be. Because Auburn isn't going to get drastically banged up for losing to Bama. People, you get a pass for that this year with the way Bama's been played. So I, it is such a massive game between these two teams. Auburn right. needing to provide hope for your Cincinnati yeah, or BYU or a wiggle room for teams that might lose in those conference championship right. games. No, I think that's a good point, right? They, Texas A&M was weird
1: because there wasn't that conference championship game cannibalizing each other, right? We expect Notre Dame or Clemson to get a loss. We expect Florida or Alabama to get a loss. There was none of that necessarily for Texas A&M if they weren't in their conference championship game. So we know about A&M that is going to be a team that could potentially fall by the wayside. I want to talk About these other two teams. We're talking, we're considering ND and Alabama cool, right? In that case, the barriers to my dream scenario, right, are still Florida. But if they lose in the SEC championship game, that could be enough to take care of them. Let's Mm -hmm. talk, Kevin, about Clemson and Ohio State. I think they are incredibly interesting case studies. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Ohio State. Ohio State is 4-0. Ohio State is not practicing. Ohio State has Michigan State and Michigan on the horizon the next two Saturdays. They need to play and win both games in order to qualify for a Big Ten championship or else they'll be kind of a Texas A&M type at 5-0. And who knows how the committee would treat that. And we don't know if the Buckeyes are going to play against Sparty this week. But I find it incredibly hysterical. You know the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. You know Michigan State doesn't like Ohio State. The state of Michigan can completely kneecap the Buckeyes National Championship picture uh, hopes just by having COVID. Um, They don't have to beat them on the field. They can beat them in the dorm rooms, at the house parties, at the frat house if they wanted to instead. I fundamentally believe, though, All of college football wants the Buckeyes to get in. They're the college football version of the Baltimore Ravens. So how might this go down, Kev?
2: So I have Ohio State outside of my top four, as do you. So do I. And part of that reason, as I think the context for people, the college football playoff committee releases their top 25 so deep into the season. Because they need as many proof points as possible, they are not putting teams in based on power ratings. Otherwise, Clemson would still sit in front of Notre Dame. They're putting them in based on the resume. Dane, there are 13 weeks of college football in the books. Ohio State has played four games. What is their most impressive win? a seven-point victory at home over Indiana in a game they were favored by three touchdowns in? That's right. I'm sorry, but that just doesn't cut it. That doesn't compare to Florida yeah, running it up on Florida draws. and Texas A&M over them in my standings. Right. And and ultimately, why did I go Ohio State over A&M? I just, I'm just down on A&M outside of a lot of these things. And... Yeah. I still give some credence to the Ohio State pedigree to what I know Ohio State can be. But I understand why you've pushed that team back to six in your rankings right there. I think that's more than reasonable. You know, and again, I have them at five. It's not a huge difference with where we've positioned this team. I'm trying to figure out, though, what they need to get into this top four. Like, the Buckeyes, has Ohio State already done enough?
1: No. No, they have not. Not in my opinion. And, no, no, and no, I, no. I, I, Let
2: me clarify. Not in our opinion, because we clearly don't think so. In the eyes of the college football playoff committee, right? I mean, in the eyes of the AP Top 25, yeah. they still got them above Clemson, which was a difference right. for the college football playoff committee. Right. In the eyes of the committee, how much more do they need from Ohio State? You pose the question, so you can pose it again now to the listeners. You said this off air. Does Ohio State even need the, co- the conference championship game?
1: I don't know. It will test the theory that you stated. You talked about the college football playoff releases their rankings later on in the season to go by what they have seen versus pedigree and perception. You stated that that's what the college football playoff does. I don't know if that's true, Kev. That theory, it's not a fact yet. That is a mm-hmm. theory, and that will be tested by ultimately where they position Ohio State. If mm-hmm. they allow Ohio State that doesn't play in a Big Ten championship, that's 5-0, and oh, to get in, then Kev, that's not what the college football playoff does, right? Then they don't go by what they've seen. They do care about pedigree and perception and reputation. Yep. You know, and that's why, just like I say, the walls are closing in on the NFL. The walls may be cl- – this season was a perfect pressure test for all of those inherent assumptions because you're now going to see a 10-0 and 0 BYU against a potentially 4-0 and 0 or 5-0 and 0 Ohio State, right? And so I try to be consistent with that, Kev, in terms of what I have seen. That's why Ohio State was below the SEC teams that I have seen play, play well against good competition. But I defer to them above the mid-major teams that I have seen. However, yeah. in my mind, if the mid-major teams get all the way through their schedule unblemished, that is enough to hop Ohio State and Texas A&M, but they're just not there yet. I don't buy the premise that you originally stated of what the college football playoff does. I, in fact, think we're going to find out based on candidacies like Ohio State in the next three weeks.
2: Right. And, and you know, and the other piece of this puzzle, Dane, that both you and I have is BYU at 8. And obviously, the I think the big headline was BYU checking in at 14 for the college football right. playoff committee. And I, I spent you know, probably more time than I needed to uh, in creating my top eight, but I wanted to give it a real go. And I tried to figure out a way to not have BYU at eight. But I, couldn't, <laughs> I could not put two lost teams in front of them. That just that didn't feel right. I hear Georgia, you. Iowa State, Oklahoma, I couldn't do it. I'm not putting Coastal or Marshall there, right? Indiana, Pass. Also, they just lost you know, Penix also. Yeah, they just lost yeah, Penix. Their season is is completely toast now. I contemplated USC. They've played three games. Can USC get there? Yes, they Maybe. can. That win over Utah. They like that was Maybe. a big result for them because their first two games were a little bit fugazi. That was a that was a good result from Utah. The other team is Miami, who checks in at nine for the AP top twenty five. Here's the thing with Miami. Their one loss is to Clemson at Clemson, no problem. Their wins aren't great. Like, right. they beat NC State by three. They beat Vatek by one. They have a game against UNC this week. Hmm. Are they going to win that game? I don't know. I mean, and if they do, okay, maybe I'll give Miami a bit more sauce. Because, again, their loss is to Clemson. But they need that type of result. And that's and that's ultimately just crashing a party of a top eight. I look at BYU, Dane, even from our rankings. Right again, the mountain that BYU needs to climb for the College Football Playoff Committee is ten times higher than for us. But I don't even know if in my, my rankings there's enough chaos theory within reason that can get this for team BYU to four.
1: Yeah. All right, let me do it for you. Here's your top eight up on the screen. I'll do it for you. Okay. Okay. A uh, and loses this Saturday, so they're gone. Okay. Right. Yes. Fair. Cincinnati loses along the way at Tulsa, number 25. They're gone, right? Got it. Cool. Yeah. Then Florida loses the SEC championship game, okay? And BYU is 10-0, and 0, right? Yeah. That gets them one, two, three spots up. Then we have, you got options. Notre Dame boat races Clemson in the ACC championship game, right? Mm-hmm. And or... The state of Michigan has a big old COVID outbreak and they don't play those games. A four and oh Ohio State. Okay, that's how it happens. Alabama, Notre Dame, right? Then you know, since he loses, unfortunately, Ohio yeah. State finishes the season 4-0. and oh. Cincinnati loses, right? And then, you know, you get the other SEC team in and BYU. Do I think that's going to happen? Yeah. That it has extreme is. levels. But, mm-hmm. Kev, I mean, it's not like uh, teams have missed multiple games in a row because of COVID. It's right. not like Ohio State is guaranteed to play any more this season.
2: So the funny thing is with that, right? I think Ohio State has probably done enough to keep the stay above BYU. For, for a lot of that, it's within reason. But there's a reason why, folks at home, Dane said Notre Dame boat races Clemson. Yeah. A question yes. worth asking. Can yes. Clemson survive two losses and still get in? It is a question worth asking.
1: You know the way they'll think about it, and you know the way we'll think about it. We'll talk about who some of these players, what teams they'll be on next year when we come back. absolutely welcome back here on the early line the morning after will be coming up in just a hot second with jared and ariel we're going to bring in our guy joe lisi tomorrow to break down all of the permutations of what can happen i really kevin want to hear what he says about ohio state and this idea of have they done enough right like and what the big 10 might do what the ncaa might do remember i asked him weeks ago if the college football playoff would get pushed back in order to allow for some of this and uh you know There's always an out, but guys like Justin Fields on Ohio State, guys like Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, on Clemson and others will then hear their (laughs) name called next April in the draft, we do believe. So let's look at an updated draft order real quick. The Jets and the Jags continue to lose the Cincinnati Bengals under QB two, three, whoever we think they may be locked in. I believe the Cincinnati Bengals will be drafting Penny Sewell of Oregon in the top three. A little bit of movement, though, here. You know, Philly joins the top 10 because they are not first place anymore, so they go right into the top 10. What are some of the things you are looking at at the leverage point? You know what I'm seeing with the Jets and the Jags as a Jets fan. What are you looking at with all these NFC East teams in there or Mm -hmm. otherwise?
2: I want to take the temperature of the number one overall pick market with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Penny Sewell, Trey Lance. We've talked about this for a while. Trevor right now checking in at minus six fifty. Fields comes in at five to one. We all pretty strongly believe that Eric Bieniemy will have his choice of franchise. I would think the team that has the number one overall pick would have the inside track. Simply put, Dane, would we be positive that Eric Bieniemy would prefer Trevor Lawrence to Justin Fields? I mean, Lawrence nope. is mobile. Lawrence can move it. He's massive. He's incredible. But Fields is also a star. And I just as we look at this market I wonder as this all carries on. Do we look back at Justin Fields at 5 to 1 at a number you can take and then hedge off a lower Trevor number when we get to 8. There's also the universe where Cincy
1: defecates the mattress enough to be the number one pick and take an offensive lineman. That is also The Morning After is up next. We got all week to talk about this. Have a good night, guys.